Let us ask ourselves, what is education? Above all things, what is our ideal of a thoroughly liberal education, of an education which, if we could begin life again, which we would give ourselves, of the education which, if we could mold the fates to our own will, we would give our children, we would give our, we children. Give our children. Well, I know not what may be your conception upon this matter, but I will tell you mine, and I hope that I shall find our values are not very discrepant. Suppose it were perfectly certain that the life and fortune of every one of us would, one day or another, depend upon his winning or losing a game of chess. Don't you think that we should all at least consider it to be a primary duty to learn at least the names and the moves of the pieces? To have a notion of the gambit and a keen eye for all the means of giving and getting out of check? Do you not think we should look with a disappropriation, even scorn, upon the father who allows his son, or the state which allows its members, to grow up without knowing a pawn from a knight? Yet it is in very plain and elementary truth that the life, the fortune, and the happiness of every one of us, and more or less of those who are connected with us, do depend upon our knowing something of the rules of a game infinitely more difficult and complicated than chess. It is a game which has been played for untold ages, every man and every woman of us being one of the two players in a game of his or her own. The chessboard is the world, the pieces are the phenomena of the universe, the rules of the game are that which we call the laws of nature. The player on the other side is hidden from us. We know that his play is always fair, just and patient, but we also know to our cost that he never overlooks a mistake or makes the smallest allowance for ignorance. To the man who plays well, the highest stakes are paid with that sort of overwhelming generosity with which the strong shows delight and strength, and one who plays ill is checkmated without haste, but without remorse. My metaphor will remind some of you of the famous picture in which Rasis has depicted Satan playing at chess with man for his soul. Substitute for the mocking fiend in that picture, a calm, strong angel who is playing for love, as we say, and would rather lose than win, and I should accept it as an image of human life. Well, what I mean by education is learning the rules of this mighty game. In other words, education is instruction of the intellect and the laws of nature, under which name I include not merely things and their forces, but of men and their ways, and the fashioning of the affections and of the will into an earnest and loving desire to move in harmony with those laws. For me, education means neither more nor less than this. Anything which professes to call itself education must be tried by this standard, and if it fails to stand the test, I will not call it education, whatever may be the force of authority or of numbers upon the other side. It is important to remember that in strictness, there, there is no, no such, such thing, thing as, as an educated man. man. Take the extreme case. Suppose that an adult male in the full vigor of his faculties could be suddenly placed in the world, as Adam is said to have been, and then left to do his best might. How long would he be left uneducated? Not five, five minutes. minutes. Not five minutes. Nature would begin to teach him through the eyes, the ears, the touch, the properties of objects. Pain and pleasure would be at his elbow, telling him to do this and avoid that. And by slow degrees, the man would receive an education, which if narrow would be thorough, real, and adequate to his circumstances, though there would be no extras and very few accomplishments. And if to this solitary man enter a second Adam, or better still an Eve, and a new and a greater world, that of social and moral phenomena would be revealed. Joys and woes compared with which all others might seem but faint shadows would spring from the new relations. Happiness and sorrow would take the place of coarser monitors, 
pleasure and pain, but conduct would still be shaped by the observation of the natural consequences of actions, or in other words, the law of the nature of man. To every one of us, the world was once as fresh and new as to Adam, and then long before we were suspicious of any other mode of instruction, nature took us in hand, and every minute of waking life brought its educational influence, shaping our actions into rough accordance with nature's law, so that we might not be ended ultimately by too gross disobedience. Nor should I speak of this process of education as past. For any one, be he as old as he may. For every man, the world is as fresh as it was the first day, and as full of untold novelties for him who has the eyes to see them. And nature is still continuing her patient education of us in that great university, the universe of which we are all members. Those who take honor in nature's university, who learn the laws which govern men and the things and obey them, are the really great and successful men in the world. The great mass of mankind who pick up just enough to get through without much to credit. Those who won't learn at all are plucked, and then you can't come up again. Nature's pluck means extermination. Thus the question of compulsory education is settled so far as nature is concerned. Her bill on that question was framed and passed long ago. But like all compulsory legislation, that of nature is harsh and wasteful in its operation. Ignorance is visited as sharply as willful disobedience. Incapacity meets with the same punishment as crime. Nature's discipline is not even a word and a blow, and the blow first, but the blow without the word. It is left you to find why your ears are object boxed. of what we commonly call education. That education in which man intervenes and which I shall distinguish as artificial education is to make good these deficits in nature's method, to prepare the child to receive nature's education, neither incapably nor ignorantly, nor with willful disobedience, and to understand the preliminary symptoms of her displeasure without waiting for the box on the ears. In short, all artificial education ought to be an anticipation of natural education. And a liberal education is an artificial education which has not only prepared a man to escape the great evils of disobedience to nature's laws, but has trained him to appreciate and to seize upon the reward which nature scatters with as free a hand as her penalties. That man has had a liberal education, who has been so trained in youth that his body is a ready servant of his will, and does with ease and pleasure all the work that as a mechanism it is capable of, whose intellect is a clear, cold, logic engine, with all its parts equal strength, and in smooth working order, ready like a steam engine to be turned on any kind of work, and spin at the gossamers as well as forge the anchors of the mind, whose mind is stored with a knowledge of the great and fundamental truths of nature and of the laws of her operations, and whose stunted ascetics is full of life and fire, but whose passions are trained to come to heal by a vigorous will, the servant of a tender conscience, who has learned to love all beauty, whether of nature or of art, to hate all vileness, and to respect others as himself. Such a one, and no other I conceive has had a liberal education, for he is as completely as a man can be in harmony with nature. He will make the best of her and she of him. They will get together rarely. She is the benefit mother. He is the mouthpiece her conscious self, her minister, her interpreter.